you know how you know we're always focused on the process for bread and being mindful at each each stage of the process for bread that that's the similar mentality that you got to have for pizza i think it's not an afterthought it's its own little niche that you need to really pay attention to pizza that is This is the Sourdough Podcast, the show about the innovators, leaders, and creative trailblazers in our sourdough community and the stories behind the bread. On this episode of the Sourdough Podcast, I talk with longtime Instagram sourdough friend Chris Lim. Chris shares his unique sourdough story and how the Instagram community has shaped and inspired his passion for pizza and bread over the years. Chris helps me to troubleshoot my sourdough pizza dough problems chooses his desert island pizza toppings and throws down the ultimate cross-atlantic topping challenge i'd also like to take a moment to thank our latest contributors to the podcast leah watkins of guilford connecticut and mika olmit from amilo bread in centennial colorado Thank you both so much for your generous contributions and for helping to make this episode of the sourdough podcast possible If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support it, please consider contributing any amount by visiting thesourdoughpodcast.com and clicking on Donate. And now, here's my interview with Chris Lim. My guest today is none other than the godfather of the sourdough Instagram community, Chris Lim. I think of Chris as the Kevin Bacon of the sourdough community. We're all connected, and Chris is the central link we all have in common. Chris is an avid home baker and pizza aficionado. Uh, for many Instagram bakers like myself, he's the guy who's always there with a positive comment, wisdom to share, and he's the first person to come to mind when I think of the sourdough community. So, Chris, thank you uh, for coming on. It's, it's finally, uh, or so good to finally have you uh, on and uh, being able to have a conversation with you like this face-to-face. It's, it's been uh, a long time coming. Yeah, it's... I can't believe it. It's I'm I'm here on the show. Like <laughs> pinch me. I'm I'm dreaming. Bucket is checked off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been wanting to make it happen for at least a couple of years now. So I'm glad it's finally happening. And uh like I said, I you know, it's been many years in the making because we've we go back I I finally actually looked at our like kind of DM messages going back and we go back to uh, four four years ago, March 2017, and uh, I was like, "Wow!" I was I was kind of pretty blown away by that. But um, I thought it'd be yeah. funny to to share a, like a sample of our of our DMs over the last four years. So, you know, we've talked we've messaged about everything from you know recipes, obviously technique, uh, bad bread slash dad jokes, <laughs> um, best gloves for pulling cast iron out of the oven. Um, I, I I was reading wow. back and you were like one of the first people to hear the podcast, if not the first, because oh, that I was had, crazy. yeah, it's like, I, I had, so at the time I, had, I hadn't like shared anything about it. I was like trying to like uh, get a few recorded and published and then I was going to share it, but you, you had had like finally, or you had found it on your own somehow. You'd like just, do you remember that or? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I was I was quote unquote working, I think, and I and I think I must have been on my lunch break. And uh, just being the sourdough obsessive that I am, I, I was looking for some podcasts. So I think I googled sourdough podcast. <laughs> you know, I, I saw a bunch of you know 
kind of fluffy ones come up and and then I, I saw this one, the Sourdough Podcast, and I clicked on it. And I think like it was Mauricio or something like that. Uh-huh. And then uh, I clicked on it. And I'm like, hmm, San, like I think back then you were San Diego Sourdough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and I was thinking, oh, Mike from San Diego Sourdough. <laughs> and then I DM'd you, uh, Mike, uh, do you have a podcast? And then it was almost like, I was I I found something that I wasn't supposed to find yeah, out. Yeah, uh, yeah, black <laughs> black market podcasts <laughs> on the dark web. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So I, I I thoroughly enjoyed that episode. Oh well, like I said, I hadn't I haven't even shared it with anybody, and and yeah. you were messaging me about. It. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, look at you, look at you now, right? Just the growth. It's amazing. Oh, it's been a blast, and if nothing yeah. else, it's like just connected with me with cool people like you and although we like I said we go back before the podcast so yeah uh we talked about well also we it goes back like pre-pizza ovens for either one of us like you've got a, a, a pretty sweet setup or we can talk more about later and I yeah. got a you know I I built like a brick oven and so we just back in the day we were just dr- daydreaming about beautiful level for our pizza you know yeah yeah um and then let me see you we you were one of the first people we talk, I talked about like opening my cottage bakery with just again daydreaming kind of like what what do, what are we going to do next you know and like and uh of course you were one of the first uh challenger bread pan testers so yeah dude it's pretty it was pretty fun yeah, that, trip down memory lane <laughs> yeah i remember how i like jim challenger right he he's challenger breadware and uh, I remember that I first found him through pizza, actually. Um, he had somehow gotten a Wall Street Journal article on him and his pizza journey and baking steel. Uh, so yeah. I, I saw that article and I, I, I love to find that. This guy's got a beautiful kitchen. You know, <laughs> I mean, you've, you've probably seen his house, but uh, he, so I clicked follow and then from there, it, um, it just kind of mushroomed from there. I still remember it. Like, I think I probably had 50 followers and Jim probably only had maybe 200 followers back then. Uh-huh. Uh, this would have been when I joined uh, social media back in, you know, I was kind of going through my old posts. Um, and my first post in, on Twitter was back in 2015. Wow. Uh-huh. Did and, you get on, because I, I have yet to get on Twitter or maybe I do have something there, but I never use it. And uh did you get on Twitter for bread related stuff or was that just separate? It, it was more just a personal account. Yeah. But as I started my bread journey, um, you know, I started posting some bread on there. Uh, and then, you know, I think Maurizio was on Twitter. Actually, I found Maurizio on Twitter before I found um, him on Instagram. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah. I just, I think I, I, uh, said something in an interview about uh food travel thought that was his old uh handle before Maurizio and uh that's that's another thing that dates you I guess in the yeah Instagram sourdough world but uh so anyway man it's 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 cool to finally be face to face and not uh messaging and yeah. uh commenting <laughs> although like I said it's been you've been super encouraging over the years and and just kind of like a, a 
inspiration for me to like, you know, tr- challenge myself to like take the next step or bake better bread, bake better pizza. So um, I appreciate, I appreciate our Instagram friendship. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely uh, appreciate the community that I found. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it's interesting. I've got friends all over the world and, uh, and what connects us is this, uh, this wonderful, uh, simple, you know, flour, water, and salt. Yeah. Uh, and it's just amazing because, you know, all, all countries, all cultures have bread and, uh, it unites us. It's, it's really beautiful. It's, it's, yeah. it's mind blowing. <laughs> Well, I feel like everybody yeah. out there who's into sourdough and on Instagram is somehow connected to Chris Lem, um, either directly or, you know, like I said, kind of six degrees of Kevin Bacon uh, style. But um, I don't know if I've ever heard your your story, your sourdough so- story, so to speak, uh, yeah. Chris. And so I was wondering if you would share with us a little bit about that, uh, how you came to start bacon sourdough and, and a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, sure. So I'm, uh, <clears throat> I live in Calgary, Alberta, um, kind of in the Rocky mountains. Uh, Calgary were best known for the 1988 Olympics um, that were the winter Olympics were held here. Um, so how I got started into baking was actually pizza. Uh, so pizza was what got me into this game. Uh, my kids, I just, as I mentioned it was kind of back in 2015 um, that I started making pizza. Mm-hmm. The reason why I started was because the kids were young. My kids were two and, and four. Okay. And going to the restaurants is pretty difficult, as you would know, right? It's hard to, you know, food's flying all over the place, you know, temper tantrums, you know, they're tired. So it was difficult to um, go out. And uh, I've been a pizza freak all my life, like um, growing up, you know, my parents would take me to the local pizzeria. Uh, it was called Mother's Pizza. This was back in Ottawa, Ontario. Okay. I grew up. Um, and my first homemade pizza, I think I was seven years old. Uh, my mom bought those pre-made shells. And mm-hmm. at my birthday party, you know, she kind of had the tomato sauce. And oh, yeah. The ham and the pineapple. And pineapple. Oh, yeah, that's the best. <laughs> um, so we would make that. So I've got pictures of that making pizza. So... You know, uh, you know, I've loved pizza all my life. Um, so I really love pizza. And because my kids were really young, mm. we, we didn't go out to restaurants that much. So um, kind of got into that pizza, um, into the pizza making at home. Nice. So, so from there, I, I thought to myself, well, bread is kind of like pizza dough, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so I, I uh, like like many home bakers, uh, Jim Leahy, No Need Dough, uh, okay. was the first bread I may, ever made. And uh, as luck would have it, my when we got married, my mom gave a, a Le Creuset Dutch oven. Um, oh, as a, fancy. So, you know, it was good that I didn't have to buy any more technology because, you know, this No Need recipe, you know, you just throw uh, throw in your dough and into the into the hot um, Dutch oven, and then and then it comes out beautifully. Um, so I, I must have watched that New York Times Jim Leahy video, you know, so many times, probably a hundred times, um, just being the obsessive guy I am, and uh, you know, started in in uh, started my bread making that way. 
Um, I remember then after that, uh, after the no need dough, which was very successful, by the way, you know, I can still remember that coy smile that my wife gave me the first time she ate it, you know. Mm, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Good. This is good. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know that, Mike? <laughs> well, yeah, it's been, maybe it's yeah. been a while, but, uh, you know, the, the, it's, it's worn off the, you know, the sourdough yeah. love over the, you know, yeah. it's like that initial, it's just, it's, it's come, it's a staple now in our house. It's like, you yeah. know, just everyday yeah. bread for us. So it's like, yeah, I don't get the side smile anymore. Like, Ooh, yeah. good stuff today. Ooh, good, good stuff, <laughs> good stuff, Chris. Good stuff, Mike. <laughs> She's, where's my bread? <laughs> you better save me a loaf. <laughs> So that was no need. So I started no need. And I remember talking to my mother-in-law, talking about this no need bread I made. And then she said, Chris, you know, I used to make sourdough when I was younger. Ooh, sourdough. So that kind of piqued my interest. And then I kept procrastinating, you know, telling my wife that I was going to make sourdough for her. Um, Eventually, my mother-in-law kind of got fed up with listening to my uh, talk. And she said, "Okay, I'm going to make the starter. So she made a starter and she made these little pan tin loaves, um, sourdough, <laughs> and I ate them, you know, and they were good. You know, thank you, mom. They were good. And, uh, but anyways, my mom lives in Asia for half the year. My mother-in-law, sorry, okay. Asia. So um, when it was wintertime here in Calgary, it gets cold. So she said, I'm out. Um, can you take care of my sourdough starter? So this would have been around December 20. 15, I want to say. She must like trust you or something. A lot of you, you, well, I, don't, I don't know. She, <laughs> like, I was this rookie, you know. That's a, that's a good sign of your relationship yeah. status, I think. Somebody. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. That's that's next level relationship. Um, that's, yeah. You know, I trust you with my kids. I trust you with my sourdough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she gave me the starter and uh, I made my first sourdough back in December of uh, 2015. Okay. Um, yeah, I, uh, it was pretty good. I mean, I don't remember much about it. Uh, there's a picture of it on Twitter. And it's, <laughs> it, it looks like this caterpillar shape, you know, a little, a little curve, you know, you know, half banana shape. But uh, yeah, it turned out pretty good. But the funny thing is that I never returned that sourdough starter to her. <laughs> You so here we, what about you didn't give her an offshoot or some dis, discard or something? No, no, I give her I, I, I give her loaves and she she takes them very happily, but I, I to this day, you know, her that's funny. hers and I named my starter after my mother-in-law. So my sourdough starter is named Agnes. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Very cool. Yeah, so that, that's oh, kind of how I got into it. Very cool. Okay, so you went the pizza route into sourdough which i think i'd say most people if any if they do get into pizza in sourdough pizza it's obviously from the bread route first so that's that's right a unique angle i haven't heard before yeah so what do you what do you do for a living chris i am in accounting yeah i'm accountant for the uh government of alberta oh cool okay and so and i imagine it's normally like a, an office job. Yeah, it's normally an office. It's like it's like a nine to five job. Is that uh, different post twenty twenty? I mean, now I'm just sitting at home. Yeah. So yeah. 
let's, let's just say my sourdough starter probably gets a little bit more attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were, you were ready for 2020. You were like, I already got the hobby. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, but it's been great though. Like being able to uh, share the hobby mm-hmm. with people who've gotten into it because of the pandemic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sourdough became the sexy thing, right? You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's 100% pop culture now. You know, mm-hmm. you the time. Um, it, it kind of evolved from this cult-like status, you know, among, you know, bread freaks like me and you. And now it's kind of much more widely accepted and widely practiced, I think. Yeah. And that's really great. You know, just being able to share sourdough starter with uh, friends and family um, with coworkers that, that know I'm into it. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll get messages, you know, at work, you know, um, Chris, I don't know if we should do this during work hours, but you know, can I send you a few crumb shots? Can you you look at my bread? (laughs) (laughs) Can you diagnose my bread? Okay. Uh, let's just call this a coffee break. Okay. I'll give you a call. (laughs) Nice. Uh, that's great. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, in the next few years, how many baker bakeries start, you know, out of 2020, uh, the 2020 sourdough craze. So, but uh, like I said, you were, you were already, you were, you're ready. You were at home working from home. You already had the rhythm. You already had the, the, uh, the lifestyle built in there. So yeah. How, did you, do you feel like you've, you baked more, um, last year since you were home more often or yeah I, I think I I think I probably bake probably more I mean I'm, I'm still a, a nano 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 batch baker you know I'm making anywhere from usually two to four loaves at a time mm-hmm. and I'll do that like uh you know anywhere from one to three times a week oh wow that's, I mean, that's so, more than a lot of people yeah so and I think that just being at home you know I I uh, and friends and family being at home too, you know, it's an opportunity to, you know, share those loaves with other people that are working from home. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just fun. Like, like, like I said, you know, I'm probably the first guest that you've had on that hasn't, uh, isn't selling anything or doesn't, <laughs> or doesn't have a blog, but, you know, in a way, I think that, you know, giving away that sourdough, you know, you know, Maybe I'm biased, but that could potentially be even more something more special than selling the bread. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I think that's why so many people are drawn to like the cottage bakery uh, idea. Just is because of that initial sharing of bread or bartering or just that connection that's made. And you're like, wait, if I could do this and make money or make a living off of this, yeah. What, that'd be the best of, of all worlds, you know? And so, but yeah, it all, it all, it all starts with that, like initial extra loaf that you made, you know, or the, the first time you make two or, or, or double it to four and you're like, Oh, well, I'm just going to walk it over to my neighbor's house or something, you yeah. know? And yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's really special. I mean, I was having a discussion with my cousin-in-law the other day, just through texts and I had given him a loaf and uh, I asked him how it was he kind of sent me the shot of, you know, that drizzly, you know, that drizzly sunny side up egg over oh, the, yeah. over the slice of bread. And, and, uh, he said it was great, you know, 
And he said, it's a gift. You've got a gift, brother. That's what he mm. said. Ah, that's and, awesome. Uh, you know, I think we do have it. And I think that, you know, it's kind of incumbent on upon us home bakers or whether you have a cottage bakery or whatever, just to kind of share that love and, and mm. share blessing, share that gift with others. And, um, you know, we talk about the, the IG community, the, the Instagram sourdough community, but really, you know, the bread community is just, as you know, it's, it's the real life community as well. Yeah, yeah expanding that bread circle amongst your friends and family for sure yeah you said something the other day when we were texting you know uh you said something like sourdough is much more than formulas and fermentation and i thought that was pretty profound like you know i think you know a lot of times we can get really hung up on like you know the the numbers and the charts and the the baker's percentages or or not even want to think about any of that and, and be more in tune with like our artistic side and our creative side. And it's, you have this like dichotomy, you know, but, but I think what you're saying is like, even before you get into like the left brain and right brain sort of approach to bread, like there's that, that there's a fundamental physicality of just sharing bread with your neighbor your, yeah. or family or kids yeah. that, that, that that's where like, the most meaning and is found. And, and I think you embody that Chris. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well. I mean, I mean, they say bread is the staff of life, right? So, you know, it's such a personal thing because you're, you're, you're going through this process of, you know, mixing it with your hands and, you know, letting that time and do its thing and the fermentation and, and just, that love and energy, that mental energy you put into bread, you know, you, you can kind of taste that actually. Mm -hmm. For sure. You know, I, you know, it's different than gifting. And this is, I don't want to get in trouble, but it's different than gifting cakes or cookies. Like there's just something <laughs> of bread because it's, you're giving them life. You're giving them that daily sustenance that mm -hmm. so it's so foundational to our, day-to-day -day life right <laughs> yeah no that was one of my questions actually it was like you know you, you could have gotten into pies or, or cakes or or what you know pasta you know but you know there's something about bread and uh and i think that's what you're you're touching on it's like it's like that foundational like life-giving sustenance you know uh that you can give give away you know yeah. and that's what makes it special yeah yeah yeah, well, um, let's talk about your, before we get to pizza, let's talk about your <laughs> sourdough setup right now, Chris. What What's kind of your, you know, uh, you're saying you're baking about two to four loaves at a time, maybe a couple times, three times a week. What does that look like practic practically, like equipment wise? And, and what do you, so what are you using? Okay, I'm I'm Team Challenger. <laughs> oh yeah, Team Challenger. Uh, yeah, so shout out to Jim Challenger. Um, yeah, it was just great to uh, get that random message a few years ago. Hey, Chris, I've got a pen. Um, do you do you want one? Uh, I, yeah, of course I want one, Jim. 
No, but uh, yeah, it's great uh, baking in that pan. It's it's awesome. As you, you had know. so you, but you had one of the prototypes, right? Like yeah, I had, I had I had one of the I had one of the prototypes, and and I remember you know having some um, intense text discussions with Jim. You know, Jim's a thinker, right? Yeah, he's always thinking his way through. Um, you know, every little permutation combination on that pan, and I remember testing it and uh you know giving him some feedback on the the, the lack of handles i guess mm, mm-hmm. yeah i was just getting my oven mitts shredded because <laughs> every time you know you close it but your oven mitts a little trapped underneath there so you know it, uh-huh. it, was, it was amazing just to kind of see the evolution uh, of that pan i want to i'm gonna have to find a picture of you with the prototype and and share that or i'm gonna i'm gonna go through with this one after i listen to yeah. it and, and take notes and kind of do some of these. That'll be a fun picture to show. Like, cause I don't know yeah. if a lot of people have seen the prototype for that pan, but yeah, yeah, it was quite the process like of, you know, adaptation and, you know, figuring out what worked and what, what didn't. And yeah. Yeah. No, actually um, once I got the new pans, um, I just had this old pan sitting around and uh, my neighbor across the street was getting into sourdough and, and, you know, she was, I think, baking in like a, just a stainless steel pot. Mm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she was like complaining about her crusts not being, you know, properly cooked. So, you know, I said, well, I've got this prototype. Would you like to try it? And then she's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Sharing the love again. Sweet. But yeah, so got I got my Challenger bread pan. Challenger bread pan. Um you want to talk about uh, my my Vince Levon? Vince, yeah, okay. Let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> How do we? Lo- from- <laughs> you're from Canada. I feel like you have should have a better idea of the, the okay. correct pronunciation. Yeah. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about how do you pronounce the word L E V A I N. And and I remember my Mike on his DMs was <laughs> having some conversations. Uh, who are you having some conversations with about that originally? Oh, you're talking to Bonnie about. She got in on it. I don't know. I think it was yeah. after, uh, maybe my Ap- Apollonia Polan yeah. uh, interview, or I don't know. It's gone. I've had that iteration, an iteration of that conversation <laughs> over and over again for yeah. years. Yeah, because. You know, I feel like I always said Levin because I think Chad Robertson says Levin. Yeah, but uh, that's English. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, yeah that, that's the that's the English way. And uh, but actually, today in preparation for this podcast, oh. I, I went on YouTube and I, I looked up how French people say it in the French bakeries, and it depends where you're from. So if okay. you're from France, if you're from France, it's more uh, Levin. Okay. If you're from Quebec in Canada, it's Levain. Levain, okay. Levain, yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, so back to how I uh, do my starter. So I usually keep my starter in the fridge between bakes. Okay. Um, So about a day and a half before um, I'm going to be baking bread, I will do a wake-up feed. And I'll usually feed it around like a ratio of one to one to one and let that ferment overnight. And uh, usually by the morning, it's like almost over fermented. So I I just kind of want to get it going again. 
Mm-hmm. From there, I usually feed it um, about one to five to five. Um, and I've got that at around 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And I'll usually let that ferment for about between six to eight hours. Okay. How do you maintain that 80 degrees? Yeah. So I've, I do the, uh, the oven light on. Okay. With the mm-hmm. door jar. So I've learned my lesson. Once I left the oven light on and kept the door closed and, uh, the temperature got up to about 115. So oh, wow. yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah. Fermentation over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So generally, um, wait for the starter to triple in size, uh, two and a half times to triple. And then I will mix it in into my dough. Um, I actually am a advocate of really keeping it simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've read in my Instagram posts, but I don't do any auto lease or auto lease. Um, I mix everything in. I dissolve my starter into the warm water and then mix that with my dries and uh, right away. And then I start uh, mixing it up and letting it rest for five minutes, start mm-hmm. kneading, uh, knead for a couple minutes, let it rest again. And then, uh, and then knead and rest and focus. When you say need, tension. when you say need, are you talking about like old school, like, uh, yeah, I, I usually, down, like, yeah, it, it's kind of more stretch and fold and need. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. I keep it in the bowl. So I, I scoop up, lift up and then push down in a way. Okay. So it's a hybrid of stretch and folds, but as well as kneading within the bowl. Okay. Interesting. So, okay. yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm really trying to develop, the, the strength in the dough early, um, mimicking kind of what uh, a mixer would do in a commercial bakery, you know, really getting that dough smooth and mm-hmm. strong and elastic as soon as you can. So after probably about half an hour, the dough is really smooth. Have, now, have you? I mean, have you experimented with like an auto lease, or is there a reason? Just simplicity, sick. Because I mean, if you're needing yeah. working up a sweat, and, and yeah. you know that could be more work. That's I mean, a lot of people say the auto lease takes that out of the equation. Yeah, I think mine is more just time management. Mm. I'm mm-hmm. trying to I'm trying to cut down steps and make it as simple as I can for myself. Yeah, because I've got two kids running around the house and and. Uh, and a busy job. So, um, but that's what I found. So once yeah. dough's kind of smooth and, and pretty strong, I'll let it rest for half an hour and then I'll kind of start my stretch and folds. You know, I, I usually do anywhere from uh, three to five stretch and folds every half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, lately I've only been doing like two or three folds. Um, my latest, you know, my most recent formula is usually about, um, 40 to 45% bread flour, um, about 50% whole wheat. And then, oh, wow. and then just a bit of spelt, you know, nice. so that's kind of my, uh, formula. And I'm usually going around between including the starter water between, you know, 80 to 82%. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's kind of it. I, I'll let it bulk ferment for four, between four to five hours at 80 scoop it out on the on the bench and let it rest for maybe 15 or 20 and then i'll put it in the bannet and 
and then I'll actually let it sit in the Benetton um, either at room temperature or, or a bit warmer than room temperature for anywhere from one to two hours and then throw it in the fridge. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Uh, so I, I like my bread pretty subtle, to be honest with you. I'm not a ton of tang. So, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't do the long, long cold proof, you know, Sometimes I'll only do even six hours cold proof. Sometimes I'll do like the, the 16 hours. Is this like the same day bake or is this overnight for you? This is overnight. Yeah. Okay. I would end up baking it. In, I would put it in the baskets, into the fridge, go to sleep, and then, uh, and then bake it in the morning. Nice. And so how did you kind of narrow down your formula to the one you were just talking about? Is this... Was this based off of uh, somebody else's formula originally, or did you hard have you always just like tinkered and made this kind of your own type of formula? Well, I mean, it's interesting because you know, like many people who got started baking sourdough, you know, Chad Robertson Tartine was you know was the model we all looked to, right? And I think his country loaf is what ten percent whole wheat. Or- mm-hmm. Is it 10%? Something like that. That sounds yeah, right. So it's really low, right? Um, so that's kind of what everyone made. And that's what I made for probably the first year and a half or so. And then somewhere along the line, like kind of whole grains started getting more mainstream. And uh, and then I just I just like the taste of, of, of that more and more whole grains. So I found that kind of 50-50 mm. is about kind of the sweet spot. Uh, for me, and, and I, I like the taste. I like the fact that it still rises up, um, yeah. pretty light, but you know it's still got that hardiness in there. Um, so that, that's kind of how I, I stumbled upon that uh, um, that formula. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, I always feel good about getting that whole grain in for the kids. You know, like anytime you can sneak in some some whole yeah. grain, it's a you- it's a bonus. Do your kids eat the crust? They, it depends if it's fresh out of the oven. And this is like my, you know, 80% uh, white flour kind of country style loaf. They'll, they'll eat the whole thing if it's fresh, fresh, like still warm. Uh, But if it's like my whole grain bread or something, I usually have to cut off the crusts. And because I I do bake it a little darker on the top. So, but they'll eat it. They'll eat like the whole grain with the peanut butter jelly, you know, disguise. Our, our kids, our kids do not know how lucky they are. <laughs> I, you're right. No, I, that's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When was the first time you ate sourdough? Me? Um, I don't, I feel like I've probably had it. Like, legit, life. Le- like leg- legitimate sourdough. Oh, you? oh, that's a good question. I, I yeah. just, I don't think I knew what, it, what it was. I thought it was just maybe just a flavor or a type of bread, you know, until yeah. my thirties, you know, like, and, you know, and that's kind of when I had that, like, Oh wait, it's like, it's a way of making bread. It's like the original way it's natural leavening. So I, that, I never made that connection, even though I'd probably been eating sourdough or some type of sourdough all my life. Yeah. 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 I, I, I did not eat legitimate sourdough. Um, probably up until a handful of years ago. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it was really an eye opener for me. I didn't like the grocery store sourdough. Um, 
because it had this weird aftertaste, right? And then little did I know now when you go to the grocery store and you kind of look at the sourdough, there's there's still those 20 or so ingredients in there. So that's the sour faux, right? <laughs> sour faux, for sure. Yeah. 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 No, I think it was like at a cafe in Santa Barbara where me and my wife were living and, uh, and they, you know, it was like a little boutique or artisan cafe or something. And they had like, a, you know, they described the bread and, and it had mentioned like usually natural leavening, blah, blah, blah. And it's just kind of like, Oh, wait a minute. I yeah. I just, it was like a, an epiphany type moment. Like, Oh, this is yeah, not just a flavor. It's a, <laughs> you know, method philosophy, you know, yeah. Lifestyle. Way of life. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sardo is life. I wanted to take a quick break from our interview to share with you some exciting news. I was recently invited to join the board of the Bakers in Need Fund, a 501c3 nonprofit organization founded by Tyler Cartner at WireMonkey. This fund was created to help bread bakers suffering financial duress due to the coronavirus, and since the start of the pandemic, the Bakers in Need Fund has given a total of 40 grants totaling over $10,000 to our baking community. When the crisis is over, the fund will remain to support bread bakers in need. We love the bread baking community and being a part of it and want to give back. If you'd like to learn more about the Bakers in Need Fund, make a donation or apply for a grant, please go to bakersinneed.org. Now, back to the show. So we've talked bread pan, we've talked formula. Let's get into pizza. And this is kind of where all of your listener questions uh came in was on your pizza which looks amazing and it's like gotten better and better I feel like every post it just you your skill level comes through and it just I can't tell when you're visiting a pizzeria or if it's your own pizza because it all looks amazing and I'm definitely over here taking notes because my my pizza game is weak Chris and I need to (laughs) Bring bring it up here. So all right, all right. well we'll see what we can do. <laughs> so I guess I guess where I get uh, my biggest struggle is uh, just the approach. I guess like what? So in your mind, what is the biggest difference between pizza dough and and sourdough? I mean, because in essence, you're, you're, like you said, it's just bread, but there there you go about it differently if you're gonna make it flat and put toppings on it versus if you're going to shape it. So like when you, when you approach pizza dough, how do you do it differently than you would pizza or I mean, uh, sourdough bread? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously they're related, right? I mean, pizza dough and let's call it sourdough pizza and sourdough bread are very related. You know, I, I think some of the differences I find, um, is in the dough handling itself up front. Um, I think that, uh, and this is just a theory, there could be a lot of people that disagree with me, but I think in bread, we work on building up the dough, the strength, so that it will spring up in the oven tall with an open crumb. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes in, if you adopt that same mentality with pizza dough, you'll actually overwork the dough. And as a result, it will be difficult to stretch out. 
um, just because you've tightened up the glutens too much. Um, so what I've been doing lately is, you know, um, mixing up the dough. Um, and then within probably within two to three hours of the bulk, before all those bubbles start forming, mm-hmm. I ball it up. And I, I don't want to ball it too tightly either. I want to get a decent surface tension, but I'm kind of balling it up so that it uh, it's not over tight because I want it to relax out when it's um, and proof out properly so that it's very easy and slack to stretch out mm-hmm. the spring back. Um, the other thing too is I when I in the past when I've bulked it too long and there's too much air in there, when you shape it up and if you keep that air trapped in there, that's going to result in thin spots when you're stretching it out. Oh. Eventually when you pat it out, there's going to be those bubbles in there. And when you stretch it, that's, that's where the thin, the, the thin spots will, will end up. So I find when, you know, I um, ball it up early and let it ferment slowly. Um, somehow, you know, the gas, the gases seem to be more evenly distributed. And okay. I don't get those thin spots. No, and, even just those yeah. two bits of advice, like really makes sense. You know, it, I, cause I feel like I tend to like take less care of my sourdough pizza dough. Like I'll just mix it, throw it in, you know, let it ferment for a little bit. I don't not keeping track of anything hardly. I'll ball it up. I'm not worried about the temperature. Like, whereas I baby yeah. my sourdough yeah. Uh, yeah. bread, you know, dough, and I'm all, I'm taking its temperature. I'm using the, this degree water. And, you know, whereas with the dough, uh, the pizza dough, I, I'm neglectful, I guess, you know, co- comparatively. And I don't take notes like I would with my bread. And I just expect it to like be this beautiful dough every time. And it doesn't come out that way because I think like what you're saying, like there's, you've got to treat it differently. Yeah. Yeah. There, stages. There, yeah. There are definitely differences between pizza dough and, and bread dough. And, and I think one of the things is that, you know, if you do cold, cold ferment it, you have to um, let it relax fully and, and come back up to, you know, 70 degrees or so and, and, and really have it relax. Um, I think a lot of people, when they, like I said earlier, when they try to stretch out pizza dough, that the dough is not ready yet. Mm. And, uh, and I think um, the way I think of it sometimes is you almost have to overproof it a bit, your pizza dough, um, push it a bit further than you would bread. Mm. Okay. Because, because you're actually, you want those glutens to be really relaxed. Um, you know, in bread making, we talk about, you know, I baked a pancake, you know, it didn't rise up. Well, in pizza, that's not really a bad thing. So (laughs) that's the shape you're going for. Yeah. You're actually trying to make it, you know, your dough to be slack and so that you can stretch it out quite easily. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, if you just think about it, it, it makes sense because that's the end shape you're going for. And that's the problem I have a lot of times is that, you know, I'm out there stoking up the fire, getting the, the bricks ready. And I leave my, my, 
my uh, brother-in-law and my mom, you know, to make the pizzas. And, and I've left them with this under fermented dough that's not relaxed yet. And it's, you know, and so we get all these different shapes and then in tears or, and so, yeah, it's, I think next time I'm, I approach this, we're going to, I'm going to have to really try to focus on getting it fermented, right. Balling it up at the right time and allowing it enough time to relax. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, you know how, you know, we're always focused on the process for bread, you know, and that, and being mindful at each stage of the, each stage of the process for bread, that that's the similar mentality that you got to have for pizza. I think um, it's not an afterthought. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's its own little, it's its own little niche that you need to really pay attention to pizza. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we get, I get, I get more focused on like the process in, in me. I get distracted with my bread oven, my you know stone oven and, yeah, you can think about the <laughs> toppings and the sauce yes. and yes and you know for me our pizza oven's at my my mom's house and so that you know we got to drive out there and bring the kit and so there's for me it's such a different environment and in scenario than than my bread making is and so it, it does like you say become kind of an afterthought the the, the dough i just kind of throw it in throw it in there and all right yeah, it'll it'll work out. <laughs> I, I mean, if if you talk to any pizza aficionado, they're always talking about the dough, the crust, and uh, yeah, I guess that's the only way to approach no, that. Makes that. Sense. Uh, yeah, but For your sure. oven is beautiful, Mike. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you've that, been that, that thing. I've or, uh, been I've been following along that construction, and it was uh, it was a, a labor of love. Uh, uh, a joint effort, it looks like, with uh, your family and friends, and and uh, it's like it'll be like a family heirloom now. Um, that's that's the, the for many generations, many generations to come, right? Yeah, I hope so. I, I you know, it's yeah. at my we we moved uh, in with my folks while we were trying to save up for a house, and while we were living there for a year. I built that, that oven. And like you said, yeah, my, you know, my brother-in-laws have gotten in on it and my dad and family, my different family members. And and so now it's out there and it's, I'm, I'm, I want it to be just like where we get together as a family and, and hang out and cook food and kid, let the kids run around. And yeah, well, I'd love, I'd love to make pizza with you in person. Like, yeah. That would, just, that would be so sweet, Mike. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I I think a couple of years ago when I was still in San Diego, you were in Southern California, and we were trying to make that meeting happen. Didn't didn't work out. We you're a little too far north, but uh, yeah, you need to get out here to California, do a little Bay Area bakery tour, and then uh, come on out to the Valley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last time I was in Southern California. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I actually met up with uh, Patrice, uh, the angel in your kitchen. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and uh, we had a little uh, pizza night at her at her bakery, and uh, it was fun. Very you know, cool. She, she was showing me the ropes of her one hundred percent whole grain pizza dough, and wow, it, it was honestly one of the best pizza experiences I've ever had. Just seeing her set up and and how she cared for the ingredients and her dough and. And uh, it was such a special night. So I, I think that anytime I can meet up with you guys or other Instagram friends, 
um, that, that, that would be super special. It really is. I, I've only had the opportunity to meet with a few people over the years and it's always a lot of fun. It's always worth the effort to like go out of your way and like meet them at a park or meet them at the beach or wherever. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's just a fun, a fun time, fun conversation. And yeah, you already have that mutual interest, you know? And so, yeah, like people are all coming from all over the world, you know, and like, and it's an easy, uh, easy yeah. way to just make that connection. Yeah. It's amazing. This community we have like, uh, like to me being obviously of Asian descent, um, but kind of North American raised, you know, I've kind of got the insight into kind of two different cultures and, and uh, it's been like, I follow a lot of skilled Southeast Asian bakers. Mm-hmm. We're talking in Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, these folks are just cranking out the most beautiful breads. Like just, they're the most meticulous in their process oh. and, and their climate is, is perfect for ferment fermentation. Um, yeah. It's just like, if you guys have a chance to follow some Asian bakeries, like, you know, autumn kitchen, you know, she's an amazing. Baker. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, she's making beautiful kind of like, you know, milk breads, sourdoughs, um, they, they've really gotten into the panettone. Where is she located? Uh, Autumn Kitchen. She's in Malaysia, I oh, believe. That's not. That's fine. I, you know, I have. I know that I recognize the the handles, but sometimes I don't connect where they are physically located. Yeah. So yeah, it just it's really special that we've got uh, this worldwide community. Mm-hmm. For the six degrees of separation. <laughs> Of Chris Lamb, the six degrees of Chris Lamb. Well, we've got some good questions here, Chris, that we need to get into before we uh, close this out. And um, yeah, well, a lot of people want to know Alex at Wild Woman Bakery. She wants to know when you're opening up your sourdough pizzeria. Um, I think that's something we've kind of brushed, touched on over the years. Like, when are you going to take the leap and, you know, if that is that even something on the radar um but that was something alex said he's such a fabulous baker and uh well, yeah thank you where's your yeah. where's your mind when it comes to the future of your bread yeah well i guess first of all uh, thank you alex for those <laughs> for those kind words um you know alex has a beautiful instagram feed uh, yeah i wish i was in she's in florida i believe uh-huh. but uh yeah right now i've got uh, over a foot of snow on the ground so <laughs> yeah anyways um yeah back to Alex's question um yeah I mean I enjoy the job that I have as doing in accounting um, my kids are getting older now and uh, they enjoy pizza making too actually mm. we do homemade pizza nights as you know and uh, I keep joking with them hey you know for a summer job you guys gotta help me make pizza yeah and, sell pizzas so (laughs) would i open a pizzeria i would say not now but uh definitely the pop-up game um kind of interests me um just kind of making pizza for others on your own terms and just being able to control that schedule yeah a little bit more um i guess pop-up pizzeria is kind of like i guess you could say cottage bread baker right you can kind of you can control your schedule control the hopefully control the amount that you're making in mm-hmm. terms of volume. 
And, uh, but yeah, never say never, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, man. Maybe open up like a uh, tax con- consultation slash come for pizza, you know, a little, <laughs> little bit of both. Yeah, you get them yeah, in the door with the pizza. Yeah, yeah, and then- <laughs> yeah. drive in tax returns. Right? You drop off your tax returns. I'll give you a pizza. And there you go. <laughs> you, pick your, you pick up your tax return and then I'll give you another pizza. Hey, I think, I think we're onto something here. Uh, the new model model for cpa firms yeah um so uh harry uh larry harry harris larry d uh he wants to know what your ultimate favorite pizza topping is and crusty calvin put it in a good way he says desert island you can only bring three pizza toppings uh plus cheese and sauce what would you bring so end of the world, apocalypse, whatever yeah. scenario you like, <laughs> what's the pizza you're going down with? Yeah, well, Larry, Larry and Calvin um, are two of my Canadian buddies, Red Baker buddies. Uh, Larry's actually on this year's season of the uh, CBC Baking Show. Um, so, Really? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, you can catch that online, CBC. Um, so, toppings. Um, I love my margarita pizza. Mm-hmm. So that I love my pepperoni pizza with jalapeno. So if I think I could, if I had to take three toppings, it's the basil, the cup and char pepperoni, and the uh, sorry, the banana peppers. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. So that's. I mean, it's kind of a classic, kind of a take on a spin off of an old classic, but that's that's kind of my favorite pizza these days. Nice. Simple, delicious. Uh, no anchovies. Well, uh, uh, Campbell uh, McFarland wants to wants me, Mike, to ask you, Chris, <laughs> his opinion on anchovies. Now it sounds like there's something going on there. I've been trying for years to uh, get Campbell aboard the anchovy train. <laughs> um, you know, every time I post an anchovy pizza. <laughs> you know, Campbell usually posts the uh, the puking emoji. <laughs> Wait, he's Scottish, right? Campbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, the, he's on an guys. island, surrounded yeah. by fish. It makes sense to me. Yeah, the, don't those guys eat like <laughs> some weird stuff? <laughs> don't those guys, don't those guys eat like cow innards or something like that? <laughs> yeah, like a haggis, haggis, haggis. Pizza? Yeah. Yeah, haggis pizza. I challenge you, Campbell. Haggis pizza in the rock box. You do that, Campbell. <laughs> you take your pick: haggis pizza or uh, anchovy pizza. I'm, I'm, team, I'm team anchovies every day. But if 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 Campbell makes a haggis pizza, I will make a haggis pizza, and we're gonna do the haggis pizza challenge. You heard that right here. That's you heard it, guys. Uh, the gauntlet has been thrown on the sourdough <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> I I actually tried to experiment with some anchovies, and so I kept trying to buy them. And I kid you not, I bought uh, sardines on like, three or four separate occasions, thinking I had bought anchovies and. They are not the same thing. 
No, so. no. But they still taste good. Uh, <laughs> I passed on putting the sardines on my yeah. pizza. It kind of was like a tuna, like a mushy tuna. Yeah. So, anyway. what are your thoughts on anchovy? Are you team anchovy? You know, I, I confession, I have never had anchovies. Like I okay. said, I, I failed at my attempts to, <laughs> to actually uh, procure them. Um, I got some for Christmas as a gag gift for my sister. So I have anchovies. Okay. Next time I make pizza, I will throw them on there and I will yeah. let you know. Yeah. On a, on a serious note about the anchovies, like, you know, a classic, a classic uh, way to make them is, you know, you just essentially do a marinara, just a tomato and maybe just a bit of Parm- Parmesan Reggiano. And then after it's baked, then you put on the anchovies. And then if you want, you can throw, you can throw the pizza in back in the oven for maybe another 30 seconds to warm it up, or you can just eat it straight. Um, just with the anchovies post bake. It doesn't, I mean, it sounds appealing to me because I mean, yeah. it's really just like a intense, like umami flavor, right? It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Is it like super fishy? Um, no, it's, it's not that fishy. Um, the good ones aren't that fishy. Um, but yeah, it's got that nice brininess. Mm, mm-hmm. And if you find it too intense, don't put the whole anchovy on. Just put a little bite size. Uh, yeah, it's a good accompaniment. Yeah. Well, growing up uh, in the 80s, my, my reference point for anchovies <laughs> is uh, the Ninja Tur- Michelangelo uh, slurping down a you know floppy piece of pizza with extra yeah. anchovies. So. Actually, one of my pizza buddies... Uh, um, expired film pizza. I think he's in New York, but uh, he also loves anchovies. And we theorized on why our generation hates anchovies. And it's because <laughs> there's this one scene in E.T., you know, E.T., uh-huh. where they order pizza. And uh, one of the kids in the, uh, in the scene says, anything but those little fishies. <laughs> So they're ordering pizza. It's like anything but the little fishies. And well, then, I think that I that ages you a bit, Chris, because I think was that eighty uh, two. I think it was. Well, I think it came out the year I was born. So I've yeah, I've yeah. seen it, but yeah. I, 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 I'm a bit older than you, Mike. But I probably act a lot younger than you. Uh, well, <laughs> you make some good looking pizza. Are you? So are you? You your uh, pizza setup has evolved over the years and like i said we're both pizza oven guys now what are you yeah. what are you using these days yeah well you know i started with baking steel so i for the new york style and for any style really baking steel is amazing for a home oven mm-hmm. you don't have to trick out your oven you know that makes amazing pizza the baking steel um now I've I decided to get on uh, Uni. Wow! Uh, I have an Uni Coda sixteen, um, so that's the Uni pizza oven that has the uh, flame elements in the back and the left side. So it's shooting flames up from two directions. Cool. Um, so that that makes amazing pizza too. You know, my margarita pizza. You know, it's anywhere from you know sixty to seventy seconds. Wow. Nice chest. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really fast. So you really got to look at it. And uh, how long did it take you to fill 
comfortable like you you know weren't gonna massacre your pizza every time well i i mean the first i remember the first time i i made it i almost burned my face off actually because because <laughs> I, I turned it on and the flame shoots up and you're like oh man that's really hot do i still have my eye, eyebrows and eyelashes i do okay my my hands are a little singed up but uh i actually count out loud you know, when I first started using it. So it's like launch the dough inside the, the roaring flame oven. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. And then I count it up to like 20. And then you do the first turn. You know, you count again for maybe 15 seconds, do another turn, count again, and then you're done. Wow. <laughs> that is super so, hot. So that's going to be like yeah, 800, 900 degrees or yeah, I mean, Otter. yeah, it's it's between like uh, eight fifty to nine hundred. I'm finding. Wow. Um, yeah, I bought intense. my I I bought mine on Black Friday, so a recent purchase. Um, so I haven't really used it in the summertime. Um, so I, I've kind of been using it, even when the snow's falling. I've used it, so <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I I for the longest time I was like checking those out, thinking I was maybe going to get one of those, and then. And then it worked out to where I had a lot of time on my hands and, you know, and uh, living at my parents' house. And so I went the, uh, the brick oven route. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it, for, it's working with fire, a live flame. That's, it's a, there's a learning curve there too. How long does it take you to uh, get that oven, your oven up to temp? Well, we've, again, we're still learning this thing. Every time we do it, we we learn more, but, uh, I, you know, we try to start the oven. If we're going to be baking around dinner time, we try to start it around one or two, you know? Uh, so like a few hours, you know, at least have like a small fire going in there and maybe two hours before dinner, we'll, you know, get a roaring fire going and trying to get that, kind of like that white hot brick you know the get all the carbon burnt off the bricks and i think that puts you around 700 ish degrees um and that's kind of where i feel comfortable any hotter and it things are just moving too fast for me and i'm just burning <laughs> things and yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's amazing cooking with fire um yeah have you ever thought about you know doing a few bread runs uh, with the after heat, I know you. Use I have, the- I've tried it, and nothing has come out very pretty. I uh, I had some uh, buddy of mine get me some like malted uh, Yakora Rojo wheat uh, bottle. Shout out to Bottle and Brand, um, and I melt some of that up, make it into some bread, and it's a very like malty, sweet smelling dough and. And I, th- I think maybe we lost too much heat because it it took way too long and it, it didn't really... Yeah, and then you're not getting any steam. There's really no steam in a wood-fired oven unless you have like a really nice setup with seals and all this stuff. So, uh, but yeah, no, we haven't had too much success with bread, but I haven't really tried too much because it's, you know, it's at my parents' house and... Yeah, in my own backyard. So, yeah. Well, you've you've got the Rothko. That's a beauty, right? Well, if I ever do like one offs, I, I I'm using my Challenger bread pan too. So that's, yeah, 
I I miss the uh, the beautiful blisters I used to get uh, without trying in the in the Challenger bread pan. So yeah, Team Challenger. <laughs> hey, we're not selling anything, by the way, over here. Yeah, I'm not I'm not yeah. selling anything. I'm I'm just a, I'm an independent contractor. <laughs> I was gonna say, if anything, you should be sponsored by Uni. Uh, yeah, I mean, which we honest, should try to make that happen. By the way, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love that. But uh, <laughs> you know, Uni actually is just killing the set, the social media game. Um, they they have so many uh, just home users like myself as ambassadors, and uh, they really embrace the social side of it. You know, yeah. I think they've embraced more than Rockbox. But, uh, yeah, I mean, both are obviously really great ovens. And it's really, it's interesting that all the oven technology is actually based in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, we are uh, over an hour now. And uh, I know you got, you've been working all day and got the kids. And, and so I want to let you get back to your evening. But um, before we go, I was wondering if you could, if you got any advice to leave our, our audience with for anybody who's like any, maybe some new COVID bakers out there looking to up their sourdough bread game or sourdough pizza. And just what are, what are some like tips you would give a beginner sourdough baker? Yeah, I, I would definitely say, um, enjoy yourself, enjoy the dough. Um, and don't worry about, you know, failing because we all do and uh, have an open mind and, and feel free to ask questions mm. to uh, more experienced bakers or even um, people that you don't know um, on Instagram. Because as you know, Mike, the, uh, the community is open to sharing um, there's really a no secrets code nowadays in baking and pizza making um, from the professionals to the, to the home bakers like mm. me. Um, we're happy to help out. And uh, yeah, that's, that's just the advice I would give. Well, Chris, thank you uh, so much for, well, for coming on the podcast and, and uh, carving some time out of your evening and, and, and then just really, I just appreciate you and, and uh, your presence in our little community here. And, and like you said, you know, it's a, such an open community as far as like reaching out, saying hi, asking for advice or help. And when I think of the sourdough community, I think of, of you, Chris. You're, you're like our spokesperson. You know, you're just a great all around guy. I've never met you up until this point, you know quote unquote meet you but you know yeah i feel like we've got this camaraderie this this brotherhood if you will through through sourdough and and the sharing of of life and bread and it's meant a lot to me over the years so i appreciate you and and like i said one of these days we'll we'll make a a bake off uh in person uh bake off happen yeah yeah well thanks for having me on on the pod mike i've really enjoyed the time um and as you as you said, uh, we've been following each other for many years, and this is the first time we've actually talked. <laughs> kind of weird when you think about <laughs> it, but, uh, but I think that uh, we do have a friendship just based on the on the on the chats through the DMs. And yeah. I think just this pod and how it went. Hopefully, it went well. 
just I feel that we you know we do have that friendship and yeah. it doesn't matter if we're not in person um, like I said the the community is special and yeah we just we share the joy with one another totally, totally. in person well I can't wait to share this conversation with everybody and uh, I look forward to commenting on your next loaf and uh, drooling over your next pizza so have a good night Chris all right Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening. The Sourdough Podcast is produced by Michael Hilbert and edited by Caleb Sexton. All music is by Weston Perry. Thanks again to our sponsors of this episode, Bread Bosses and Tyler at Wire Monkey Shop. You can find links to their products and shops in the show notes of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the podcast by purchasing a Sourdough Podcast t-shirt, coffee mug, or UFO alum. If you're strapped for cash, a five-star rating and review on iTunes would also go a long way, and you would help tremendously to share the podcast with others. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.